Welcome to the Directions Mag podcast. We're honored to bring you this valuable resource back to you as we celebrate our 20th year in the geospatial community. Read more at directionsmag.com. Eric DeLucian, he's at UC San Diego, and he will be talking to us about the twilight zone, or, or cue the music, of drone safety today. Uh, we're excited to dig into that aspect and um, get some more details. So, Eric, welcome. Glad to have you with us today. Thank you for having me. Am I coming in okay? There you are. All right. Um, I want to say thank you again uh, for the opportunity as well as the, uh, I want to commend you on what a great lineup of uh, presenters you have so far. And hopefully I can close it out with something meaningful for all the attendees. I work at UC San Diego as the UAS program manager. I'm a pilot for our department. I work in environment, health, and safety. And what I basically do is I try to make sure that all the uh, researchers, staff, faculty, everybody um, flies safely and legally on and off campus. So what we're gonna do today is we're gonna take kind of a, a look at, at drone safety, regulation, and risk management and jump around from there. All right. So as Abby touched upon, definitely a lot of growth occurring from now, and it's projected in 2022 that there's just going to be a lot of drones, commercial and recreational, in the skies. So that's going to make flying a lot more challenging for everyone. And there are going to be deliveries from Amazon and so forth there. The sky's going to be buzzing. Um, that's going to create... Um, definitely some issues and possibly with um, incidents occurring with manned aircraft and so forth. So we'll talk about the FAA and I'll kind of focus on the good, the bad, and the ugly. The positive things, um, Abby touched on this as well, is uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, need for the and want for the FAA to, to incorporate drones into the national airspace. And I, when I say drones, I mean unmanned aircraft, uh, UAVs, and so forth, in case I go back and forth with that. Uh, the low altitude authorization notification capability just came online, and in the southwest here, California, it's going to be going forward in June 21st, and that's going to be great because now you can fly in controlled airspace easier. You can make get automatic um, approval to fly. The UAS integration pilot program is 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 official. They've uh, they've greenlighted ten uh, groups to go ahead and start doing some uh, innovative work with drones. And UC San Diego and the city of San Diego was actually chosen. And uh, supposedly our medical center is going to be moving uh, medical tissues. And I don't know what they're going to be doing with the drones. I need to check in on that. And the uh, the new portal the FAA has is is easier to make requests for waivers and authorizations, and they've launched the facility maps. If you haven't seen that, you can figure out where you can fly and the altitudes at within uh, different controlled airspace as well. So it's just making it a lot easier. It's streamlining it, and like I mentioned, the FAA is definitely evolving. Um, on the the bad side of things, the, there's definitely a more of a push from the recent FAA symposium I attended in Baltimore. Uh, the FAA is scared and they want to, to definitely address the security issues with drones. And that's becoming the dominant topic where the previous symposium was more focused on disruption, innovation. It was very happy and, 
and everybody was excited. And, and this last one was was a little more, um, I don't want to say dra draconian, but it, it was a little darker. And the one thing they're focusing on right now, uh, this is sort of the, the primary objective, is they want to be able to track drones in the airspace and they want remote ID and tracking. So, But there's been a lack of consensus of how they're going to do that. Uh, the slow rulemaking with drones is, is difficult. The opacity, the how opaque it is with who gets what waiver and authorization and who doesn't. Uh, and sometimes they're they're not always accountable to Congress when they say you have to do this and they don't and they drag their feet. So that's some of the the downsides. But I think the positives definitely outweigh the negatives. Uh, one thing that is is challenging as well and. And this is something that came up recently, um, is that, as you can see here on this sectional chart, um, that you can now fly uh, in the, the magenta lines on the surface airspace, extension airspace. Uh, the Class D airspace is the circle here, the blue, and now you don't need authorization to fly in this surface class airspace. So this memorandum was sent out to a friend, to a friend, to a friend, and it landed in my email box and uh, there was some bickering going on with some researchers about this and and they said on january 10th 2018 now you don't need authorization to fly in this and and these sort of these trickling this trickling of information from the fa this rhythm of updates it's challenging sometimes because there's a lot of confusion and what is frustrating with this is that a lot of pilots just say well i'm just going to go on my own i'm just going to do whatever i'm not going to follow the rules so Hopefully, this becomes less and less, and we move forward and evolve. One thing that is fascinating me from a safety side, a standpoint, is, is that there's so much data out there that we all have, not just as organizations, but people. We all have um, data that can help us be safer and, and help us become better pilots. And one of the VPs from the FA symposium from Intel mentioned, he said, data is the new oil. He was the VP that was in charge of the swarm technology from the Olympics. And I just really thought that was a, a very solid point that he brought up. And as we try to extract and get access to this data, um, it, it becomes more and more challenging. The, I highly recommend, and I'm sharing out this presentation for, for you, is that you check out Dr. Juan Alonzo, a, professor, a Stanford professor, his testimony about how if we can get access to this data and it's quality data, then we can definitely eliminate unsafe outcomes because that's sort of the, the, the should be the primary objective of most of our flying is that we don't hit anyone else, especially manned aircraft. And if we can get data, reliable data and good data, then we can open up an airspace and have uh, drones uh, have the capacity to do more and, and, less, and less issues. Uh, another one, uh, this was from the recent crash, the uh, Allegiant Air episode, is that uh, the FAA is definitely dedicated to a more transparent exchange of information and data between the industry. And so, um, I think we're going to see more of this data available, uh, especially with the drone integration pilot program. Um, so the, here's a question for everybody in the audience. Um, I just wanted to see it, and this is something that, to consider. Can all UAS incidents and accidents be prevented? 
And uh, if you want to do a poll, and um, I think we have a poll. Do we have a poll, Barbary, on this? Uh, I, d I don't, but um, um, folks can type. Folks can type in their answer, and uh, we'll we can get a, a good sense of of what's going on. Um, so, so can, all, can they all be prevented? Yeah, just go it ahead and. Seems like a loaded question, Eric. <laughs> I'm definitely setting. I'm definitely setting you up here. Uh, but if anybody wants to type, feel free to go ahead. I'm just curious what people what people think. No. Aha. Uh -huh. Good. Yeah. So I, I'm gonna say the no's are far outweighing the yeses. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yes. All incidents and accidents in safety can be present, prevented. And um, this came up in my, the early sort of part of my safety career. I was in a, in a workshop and this old man who'd been in safety for 40 years, retired, he was presenting and he said, yes. And I kept throwing him answers and telling him, well, what if an asteroid came and hit Earth? What if aliens? And he said, yes, you can. You can come up with a plan. And so consider that and in, in when, you're, when you're flying. And I think this leads us to sort of understanding in, in risk management, the chain of safety. And this could be go across the board, not just in drone flying, but anything we do. And typically before incidents or accidents happen, you have unsafe conditions or you have unsafe acts. This is where it, it all starts. And for example, if you're flying a drone, and while you're flying, your propeller starts to crack. This is before you did your inspection. This is after you did your inspection and it starts to crack. So this can, can create some failure in your flight. Or you're flying over people or you're flying in an unsafe manner. This is more of a behavior thing. What usually occurs in this chain is that a near miss will occur. So you almost hit a child on a bike or whatever the case may be. If you're lucky, you have a near miss situation, if you're lucky. And if you're very unfortunate, it goes straight to an incident or an accident. And this actually comes from Heinrich's law, if you're familiar with it. And it's, take it as it is, it's a rough approximation here. There's always some, some dispute and argument about this, this pyramid. But according to Heinrich, 300 near misses will equal one serious incident. 29 minor incidents will equal one serious incident. And if you consider how many near misses we're having right now with uh, manned aircraft, um, I'm not sure if we're close to 300 or not, but we're definitely moving up there. Every day in the news, you see something new about a helicopter or an airplane um, encountering a drone. So how can we avoid incidents and accidents? This is somewhat of a, a, a complex question, um, but for me personally as a pilot, I, I, and, and just to sort of simplify it without getting into it too quick, too deeply, is I really believe there needs to be checklists for every part of the process of our operations, our flight operations. And there needs to be some sort of a cross check as well in this, in your operations. So for me, when I go out and fly, I do a pre-flight checklist. I have a little checklist, I check off, and I go through all the steps. And uh, then when I get to the site, I do another checklist. Um, 
And I usually, before I even fly, I, I take the time to look around the airspace. And if I sit there for about 10 minutes, I always, and this is San Diego, it's really busy. A helicopter will come by flying really low. And I'm always grateful that I did that because now I know sort of the path and the possibilities of, of dangers that exist. So I think checklists are, are essential to the to safety and also um, post-flight checklists as well. And working with other people and sharing your flight plans, having a visual observer, having someone on the site with you when you're flying is, is also uh, crucial because someone might see something that you don't see. And often very experienced pilots can sometimes be very dangerous because you're such in the habit of flying, you, you, you get that sort of that myopic, like I know everything, I've been through everything, and you might not see something that somebody who is a beginner will see as a possible risk or hazard. I also wanna point out field operational plans here at the university. If people go out to a site for, for, for off to the field that they need to submit one. And uh, one thing from the symposium that was really interesting was the emergency responders were talking about Hurricane Harvey and Irma and how they would set up their ground controls and some of the issues they, they had. So they did a field operational plan and there were things that they couldn't even account for. For example, the flooding created an issue with fire ants. Any dry area that existed for the pilots in certain spots um, was infested with fire ants. So they couldn't even really set up a ground control safely. There were also dangerous wildlife, crocodiles and, and other raccoons feral things crawling about and then there were down power lines and lastly the contaminated water was an issue you know there was some flesh-eating bacteria in the, the still water in texas as well so um, one other thing in the field operational planner is is good and maybe in your checklist is do you have permission to fly wherever you're at on the property itself so um, that's another big one and i really like how that was brought up in Abby's presentation with the tribal lands. Um, forget the airspace. I really think it's important that pilots realize that wherever you're flying, the land that you're taking off and, on and landing in, it, it's really important to get permission to to whether to and to understand whether you're even allowed to be on that property. So a lot of people mistake public and private property, and that line um, is is important to know. All right, so. Lastly, I think all of us are doing this right now in, in, a, in a way is that at the end of the day, to really to avoid incidents and accidents and, and to, to become better pilots and to be safer, it's all about collaborating, um, being open to feedback and staying connected with others. I like how um, John mentioned those groups to join. And the more involved you are, the more you sign up for newsletters, for information, you join groups, you attend webinars and conferences, um, you will definitely reach the goal of being a better and safer pilot. So that's the end of my presentation. I want to point out that here at UC San Diego this year, we're hosting the um, Agricultural Natural Resource Drone Camp. And it's going to be June 18th to the 21st. It's four days. It's pretty intensive and it's all day long. And it's going to focus on the drone technology, the science of photogrammetry and remote sensing, mission planning, flight ops, safety regulation, data processing, analysis, visualization, and trends. And one of the, uh, the, the, 
the host, the person who's putting this together, Sean Hogan. He's a, a former researcher. I think he's still doing research. And uh, Brandon Stark, who will also be here. They're both researchers, great guys. And, and they do just a tremendous job with this. And I'm going to be supporting it, co-sponsoring the event as well. My name is over here. My email's here. And the presentation can be downloaded at the tiny URL link. I have a lot of good links that complement what I was saying. And I highly recommend you, you check out the, the notes on the links on there and you take advantage of, of going a little bit deeper with, with this presentation. Thank you so much.